0: Hey, everybody. Welcome back to The Smattering. I'm Jason Hall. I am here with a special guest today. The Voice of the People is getting the week off. Don't worry, Jeff's going to be back next week. And I don't want to say here in his place, Matt Frankel, because Matt Frankel, you're not a replacement for anybody. How are you, Matt?
1: Pretty good, though. We're we're different people, very, very different people, and we bring different things to the table, so... I'm a substitute. I'm not a replacement. There you go. There you go.
0: Pinch hitter. We'll go with a baseball <laughs> term. You'll be a pinch hitter. Now, Matt, I'm I'm excited to have you on the show, um, and and I'm hoping this is the first of many, of many um, future appearances here on this Smattering podcast. Before we get into the topic, um, which is, this is the working title. This is going to. We're recording this on January fourth, so it's still a few days before we publish it. But the working title is Resolutions are Dumb, How to Actually Make Financial Commitments that Stick. But before we get into the, the topic itself, Matt Frankel, or should I say Matt Frankel, CFP. <laughs> tell, tell,
1: the fo- tell the folks about yourself. So yeah, as you mentioned, I'm a CFP. I'm based in South Carolina. I've been working with Jason in one capacity or another for, what, about 10 years now. Yeah, it's been about Um, a decade. Yeah, and I I specialize in all types of um, financial planning and investment advice. But for the most part, I focus on retirement strategies and uh, on the stock side, banks and real estate. Um, New Year's resolutions are not especially of mine because, as Jason said, they're usually dumb and destined to fail because people do them the wrong way. So I'm really excited to dig into this and I have some thoughts on how people can make resolutions that actually stick
0: fantastic I'm, I'm excited and I'm going to be taking notes to Matt because I, I, my dirty little secret is that I like to make big promises to myself and then fail to actually put a plan <laughs> in place so I'm hoping to learn from that my, my guess my guess Matt there's probably people listening to us that I think our core audience you know they invest they save um, they would be listening to a podcast. About investing in finance, if if that wasn't the case, but they probably experienced what we're going to talk about in real life. They've probably have family or friends that they know that they heard their New Year's commit their New Year's resolution was to start saving more or pay off debt or you know to, to improve their financial picture in some way. Um, you mentioned it, but let's let's kind of talk about it a little bit when when you said that a lot of times resolutions. People kind of
1: set themselves up to fail. What do you mean by that? Well, studies have the, you know, the, the actual percentage of New Year's resolution success depends on what study you're looking at. Uh, but a pretty reliable one I just read said that 80% of resolutions are completely abandoned by February. Not just that they fail, not just that you don't meet the goals, but that they're totally abandoned. And it's because generally they lack one of two things. One, you need a specific goal. A lot of people say things like you just said, I'm going to save more, I'm going to invest more, I'm going to, you know, I'm going to set aside money for XYZ, i Z, I'm going to stop eating at restaurants so much. Those are very nonspecific goals. So an example of a specific goal might be, I'm going to open up an IRA and put $100 out of every paycheck into it. That's a specific goal. And that's something that you can set in motion so it actually happens. Um, specific is definitely the first thing that most New Year's resolutions are lacking. And I'm curious, since you say you do a lot of uh, New Year's resolutions yourself, are yours usually specific or a little more vague?
0: Well, this is the, this is the year that I finally completely given up on, on making them because again, I do (laughs) think they are bogus, but that, I mean, you really hit it on the head, you know, it's that, it's that, that kind of grandiose big picture idea And let me say this, I, the, I love the idea of resolutions, right? Because you're making, you're resolving to do something. You're making a commitment to yourself to improve your life in some way. And that's fantastic. And I, but I think the big problem is a lot of times, like we say, what we, the resolution is kind of, it's what we want the outcome to be and not how we're going to get there. Right you know, I, I want to lose 20 pounds. Okay. So gr- that's great. You have a vision of yourself being 20 pounds lighter, but why now, but, but then we forget about all of like the, why do we want to do that? And then maybe we do think about the why and it's like, okay, well, you know, I want to fit into the, you know, the, the, the pants that I tried to put on and <laughs> I have, I've, I, I, they don't wear them anymore. Right. <laughs> I don't want to go buy a new wardrobe. I want to wear the wardrobe that I have, or it's, I'm feel sluggish going up the stairs. I want to be, you know, I want to be able to chase the grandkids or whatever it may be. Right. You think about those things kind of after throwing out this grand idea of, of what the outcome is going to be without having a plan in place. And one thing I've learned about myself is I don't have a framework in place. If I don't have a plan in place, something that's going to kind of lead me by the hand or like it's already going to be on the path that i'm already going down i'm just i'm not going to do it you know i'm not going to do it i'm I'm closer to 50 than i am to 40 i mean i'm kind of already baked at this point i am i am what was put in the oven you know you're not going to turn this turkey into an apple cobbler
1: (laughs) i like that um yeah, but I mean, what you just said goes right along with that. Having specific goals, like having a framework in mind as a plan, saying I'm going to do this in January, this in February, this in March, or I'm going to do this every two weeks for the rest of the year, that's a way to set yourself up for success. And kind of one thing I would say that that goes along with that is figure out a way to make your goal automatic, uh, especially financially, with with all the you know fintech innovation, which we've talked about countless times on shows and podcasts and whatever. It's become easier than ever to really automate your financial life. I, I mean, I don't physically put a hundred dollars in an IRA every couple of weeks. It just goes there because I have it set to do so. Um, that's a really good way to help set you up for success. If your goal is to build up an emergency fund, set up an automatic transfer every couple of weeks. Um, I tend to set New Year's resolutions for myself um, that have to do with very, very specific goals. Um, for example, my, my New Year's resolution this year is I'm going to max out my IRA contributions before the end of the year. I'm not going to wait till the next tax deadline because then it becomes a cycle of I'm always behind and things like that. So it's a very specific goal. And my plan to get there is to take my the max out contribution, divide it by twelve, and make an automatic contribution in that amount every month. So it, it's there's there's a lot of you know different ways you can set specific goals, but vague goals are destined to fail.
0: Yeah. One, one thing that you, that you mentioned there that I really, I want to kind of circle back on and highlight on, and that's kind of making it, making it automated. And that's, that's really important. And the, the phrase it's, it's interesting as you were saying that I was thinking, and a lot of times I tend, I tend to go back to like losing weight or exercise, because I think that's like the number one thing that people resolve to every single year is is they're going to lose weight or they're going to get in shape and the problem with that one is there's so much friction built into our lives you know if you're gonna most people don't have a gym in their home right they might have a piece of workout equipment or two that serves as a coat rack um but most people don't they don't use it because they don't like it right it's not the thing they want to do anyway um so you have to go to the gym which means you have to make the time to go to the gym you have to work out while you're there and you know you're you probably need to get cleaned up afterwards or, you know, whatever it may be. And then you got to get back. To so you have to make it a special event. Right. And I think the same thing happens when it comes to our financial goals as well. And we think we have to physically do everything. Right. We have to log into our brokerage and transfer the money right into it, into the you know retirement account, the, the Roth or whatever it may be. And then we have to go look at our short list of stocks, and we look at the prices that day and say, okay, these are the ones that I'm going to buy. And then we have to put in that buy order, and we do it. And then it seems really, and that's just buying stocks in an IRA, right? And that can seem really, really overwhelming. And I love what you're talking about, about making it automated. And it reminds me of something. Ansel Adams um, once said, Ansel Adams, the famous landscape photographer um, from basically a century ago at this point, but he was, he was asked what the best camera to use was, what was the best photographic equipment to use, and he says, the one you have with you, right? And, and I think it, when you think about it, investing in financial planning, you can have the best plan in the world- to get the most optimized best returns. But if it's so unwieldy and complex that you never actually utilize it, you need to just set up an automatic transfer to go into ETFs and call it
1: done. Right. Yeah. I mean, that makes sense to me. I mean, and it, you know, automated, you, that doesn't even have to do with the stock market necessarily. Um, another way people say, I want to save more for retirement. Well, if you have a 401k at work, just ask them to boost your contribution rate. Boom. Resolution done. There you and, go. and it just works for itself the next fifty fifty two 52 weeks out of the year. So well, a lot it, of
0: employers, it's, it, they, they offer the feature where when you get a raise or once a year, it automatically increases the percentage, right? It just does it every year automatically.
1: Yeah. I mean, your resolution doesn't need to, if people have to think about it every day and actively do something every day for 365 days, you know, the, the chances of failure go up tremendously, um, so the other thing I, I mentioned, there were two things that most resolutions lack that, um, specific goals was one of them and they need to be realistic. That's the other thing that a lot of new year's resolutions really lack that I wanted to mention before I, before it escapes my mind. Um, if I say I'm going, if, if, if you have, you know, say $500 of disposable income a month and you say, I'm going to save $500 for retirement extra each month. That doesn't give you much wiggle room if something goes wrong or if you want to, you know, join your friends for a, for a drink after work or something. You know, make it a realistic goal. Um, that's why most budgets fail, for example, on, on a similar note, because people make them and they assume that they're going to live perfectly. And we don't do that. I mean, don't, I, I don't know about you. I'm, I'm a certified financial planner and I spend money I wasn't planning to spend from time to time. It, Every day. It's right. And it's it's... It's not realistic to think you're going to do otherwise on a sustained basis. The same reasons a lot of diets fail because they're unrealistic. You know, you you're not going to be perfect all the time. Um, the the most successful diets have you know flexibility built into them, where maybe one one meal a week you get to eat whatever you want or or something like that. So it has to be a realistic goal, which is another big reason for the that eighty percent failure rate that I mentioned.
0: Let's, let's talk about our, our own uh, situations and goals a little bit. Matt, if you want to, whether you want to look back in the past or you want to talk about this year, give us an example of, of a, a success in your, in your own life when it comes to making a resolution, turning it into a goal, and then a habit that so far has delivered the outcome you
1: wanted. Oh, well, my cheating answer would be that in 2020, I resolved to save a lot more for retirement and COVID kind of helped me with that because I had nothing else to spend money on. So I I really can't say that that was all me being a success. But I'll tell you what my, and and this might sound odd at first, my biggest financial New Year's resolution for this year is to finally get to a healthy weight, get in shape, you know, really take care of my health. And the reason I call that a financial New Year's resolution, one, I want to be old enough to make it to retirement, and number two, the average sixty-five-year-old couple spends three hundred fifteen thousand dollars on healthcare and retirement, and that's someone yeah. in average health. Someone who's overweight or you're out of shape or just in generally poor health, that number can grow ex- exponentially. I don't. Wa- I'm not saving. I don't want to get to a, a seven-figure retirement account. And have it all go out the window for healthcare expenses, or because I, I, you know, because I need a health, a health aid earlier than I, I should. So th- that's why I'm kind of making the sacrifice now. And I'm telling telling you this on your podcast because I want you to help you help, help hold me accountable. Next time you see me, I want you to ask me how it's going. Um,
0: I, I will, I will, I will hold you accountable, madam. I'm, I'm excited about the opportunity to to talk
1: to you about your weight. That's a, that's please ask me, ask me what I ate that day. If next time you see me or, or something to that effect, or ask me what, how many times I went to the gym that week. So I um, just have I, to
0: say the next time that we're physically proximate to one another, we're probably going to be having a cocktail together. Probably, so we have to make sure it's gotta, it's gotta be on your cheat day. I think
1: that's what you're telling me here. It will be. It, yeah, I'll, I'll make sure that that's the case, but it always people always think that's odd when I call the taking care of your health a financial New Year's resolution, but it, it really is in many different ways.
0: You know, I'm 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 glad you put it that way. I um, recently on on a a video I did for another outlet, we were talking about kind of the same topic a little bit, um, and and I made a, I made a similar observation in two ways, right? So number one was exactly what you're talking about with the expense. You know, we already know, especially uh, those those of you who are listening who are American, the costs of health care. And as you age, sure, there, there are programs, there's Medicare, right, to, to, to help um, offset a significant amount of that cost. But things that are not covered um, are substantial, absolutely substantial. Um, and the older you get, the higher the probability of those those out-of-pocket expenses happening. And like you said, Matt, I'd, how, many, how many people, number one, want to be in that situation where the nest egg they've worked so hard to build to have a high quality of life in retirement are simply going out the door to, to pay for those health expenses. But the, so many of those things are preventable, right? Simply by improving the quality of your health now, it is
1: absolutely an investment, in your future.
0: There's no doubt about that.
1: Yeah. You're, you're totally right. That a lot of it's preventable. And I'm not talking about anyone else right here. I want to be clear on that. I'm talking about me. I'm, I'm overweight by choice. <laughs> if I'm being totally honest with myself, it's because I enjoy, I'm, I'm, I'm somewhat of a foodie. I like going out for a cocktail. And I mean, you saw me when we were in Vegas, I wasn't on a diet. Um, it, it's, it, it's, it was a choice and it's things that are preventable. And now that I'm getting, you know, higher in age, it becomes a lot more of a, of a priority. And, you know, really need to. it's not just about, you know, looking good. It's more of about taking care of myself. One of the, one
0: of the things I found, Matt, you and you and I are of a reasonably similar, reasonably similar age. Um, so I think this one will kind of resonate with you too. And probably some of our listeners, whether you have kids or grandkids, you and I both have kids that are on the younger side and I know I've, I've seen as I've gotten older, you, you start losing a step, as they, as they say, using uh, sports terminology, as your kids get faster and stronger and more active. And some, a lot of times I think we look at like the, the lens of the healthcare thing and the lens of retirement savings and paying off debt almost punitive, right? We think about the the negative side, I have to do this thing or else, and one of the things that I found when it comes to the physical fitness and taking care of myself, and let's be honest, I said it before, it, a lot of times we make it like a special event and then, then we fail because we can't work it into our, into our life and make it become a habit. But one of the things that I've tried to do is find ways when I think about making these commitments, resolutions, however you want to describe them, into habits is, is, to, is simply to kind of invert them, to, to, to use a mongerism here and think about the positive outcome right? And think about the reward versus just the punishment side. Like I know that's one thing they say is that a lot of times um, the data shows that people that, for example, have a heart attack um, and have a history of smoking or, or heart disease from, you know, bad diet and things like that. Um, initially, after you know, they go through their recovery, they improve their diet or they quit smoking or they, 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 they do those things because of fear of what they went through. But then that fear goes away and those habits never really stick and they go away too. But the other side of it is if you can find positive aspects of these things, the pleasure of the physical that the physical activity gives you, right? Or, or knowing that your saving is going to allow you to contribute to causes that are important to you, right? Things like that. You're saving for your kid's college, right? Things that you can like – you can see – like this real positive impact on the world or this thing that makes your life better.
1: My experience is that those things tend to be easier and they tend to stick a little better. Yeah, I mean, that's that's a lot of the reasons why I, and I assume you too, like investing in individual stocks because it makes it fun. Yeah. Um, I, I don't know if I would enjoy saving as much as I do for retirement if it was just going into index funds. Um, I, I enjoy, you know, I'll put some money in my account and say, Hey Jason, what are you watching today? And we'll have like a long conversation about what we, you know, and it, it adds like a fun element to it. I hate to say gamified, but it, it adds a lot of fun to the situation. Um, but you're, you're absolutely right. I mean, even the, the diet and exercise thing, um, I just bought a new cookbook I'm going to try out um, to kind of make the, make eating healthy a little more enjoyable. because so I used to be a, in the, in the restaurant business a long, long time ago. Um, so I, I like to cook and, you know it's ways to kind of make that what what could be seen as a punishment very, very easily, right. Pretty much everything I love to eat, I can't eat anymore. Um, so it, could, it could be seen as a punishment or it could be seen as an opportunity to kind of enjoy it a little bit.
0: Yeah. I, I love, I love that, Matt. I really do. And I, and I agree, you know, you and I both, when it comes to picking individual stocks, it's fun. Right. And, and we're lucky that we, you know, that we have jobs that help, kind of scratch that itch we get paid to do the, a lot of the research as well and that's not necessarily the case for 99 of the people in the in the world that are listening to us talk but that brings me to something um jeff has talked about on the show um a lot of times and that's the idea of this isn't the case for everybody at all but yeah, he can only invest will only invest in companies that he can root for and that's a definitely, I think, a, a positive aspect of something like building a financial plan or maybe making this the year that you do stretch from just buying index funds to start picking some of your own stocks is if part of the way you can kind of help get over the hump and make it sustainable is to focus on the companies that you can root for because you know they're doing good in the world or you know whatever aspect of that appeals to you, by all means, I think that's... I think it's really healthy.
1: Yeah, for sure. Um, I I'm, I'm curious how much of that is incorporated into your strategy that, um investing in companies that you, you could root for it because it is it's becoming a bigger part of mine and that's that's also speaking of New Year's resolutions, it's one thing that I plan to do because I I'll, I'll give you an example. About ten years ago, I invested in one of the big tobacco companies um, and. I kind of sarcastically mentioned in an, in an article that I looked at it as a refund for all the money i stupidly gave them when I was in college. Um, right. Right. But then I kind of, you know, as my investing and, and my personality just kind of evolved, I, you know, don't like things like that anymore. And, and one of my big resolutions, and this was a couple of years ago was to start kind of incorporating, you know, companies that are doing good in the, in the universe into my, my strategy. Like, um, with, uh, I'm a real estate investor. So I like buying real estate stocks that are really focused on sustainability and things like that. One of the reasons I like empire state, uh, so much is because they're the, the only 100% green, uh, in in New York city. Um, so I, I, I'm curious as to how much that plays into your investment strategy. Consider speaking of new year's resolutions.
0: It's, it's, it's tough. It, for me, it really is because at times I've tried to make that maybe a little bit more of kind of the foundation of how I invest. Um, for example, I own Phillips 66, right? And this is a refiner, right? They turn crude oil into jet fuel and diesel and fuel oil. And, you know, all of those things are pretty horrible for the for the environment. But, you know, I, I take a little more balanced approach because the reality is that society is going to continue to rely on those things for a long time before we can move to ultra low carbon and zero carbon energy. And I and I think about all the, you know, maybe this will sound like a cop-out, but I think of all the fire trucks and ambulances that run diesel to, to get to people in dire need. And, you know, the jet fuel that powers the aircraft that might carry uh, – for, for example, I have close friends that their child had leukemia, and the, they found a donor, a marrow donor, in France. They lived in Southern California. That came on a jet, right? So eventually the market's going to solve some of those things, and I'm more focused on finding companies that are accountable, they're run by competent people, than, than I am necessarily about the, the industry that they're in. Now, there's exam, there's exceptions. I don't like I don't really invest in gaming companies. Um, and I know there's opportunity there. Um, because to me it feels a little bit like that just because c- concerns I have about gambling addiction, and it's just that industry, and I just feel weird about it, even though I've spent hours in casinos with you, Matt Frankel. <laughs> True. Um, you know, so maybe that's hypocritical of me. Um, I, I won't invest in tobacco companies. I've, uh, tobacco companies played a role in killing both of my grandfathers. My father has emphysema, um, primarily from decades of smoking. Um, I'll never buy a tobacco company yet. My dad, um, I am pretty sure he owns Altria stock and to your comment, Matt, about, you know, getting some money back from all the money you stupidly gave to Philip Morris back in college, my dad's saying, you know, they took a lot of money from me over the years. They took my health. I'm going to take their dividend. So it's very, it's very individual. It really there's is there's a solid argument to be made for that. <laughs> I mean. Yeah. Yeah. And then the other part of it too is something else that I'm I'm sure a lot of people that listen to the show have heard us talk about is the stock market's a secondary market, right? We're not we're not taking money from the companies when we sell our stock. We're not giving money to the companies when we buy stock by and large, 99.9% of it is shares trading hands from other individual investors or um, large investors, unless there's a secondary offering or we happen to invest in an IPO uh, or companies that are repurchasing shares, right? Sometimes they are buying at the market. Um, but by and large, it's it's a secondary market, right? So we're not actually participating directly with with giving money and taking money from the companies.
1: Yeah, and Philip Morris will do just fine with or without my me holding a hundred chairs of it.
0: (laughs) There you go. go. Well, let's, let's circle back around to, to thinking about resolutions and just kind of put some, put some frameworks on some of the things that you've already talked about. Let's say somebody, whether they sit down with you as a client or you're having a cocktail with somebody and they ask you for your nickel's worth of advice and they say, this is the year I want to get my financial house in order. That's my resolution. Like you said, they're really broad. That's, a, that's about as broad as they get. What, what are three things? I'm going to go ahead and put an arbitrary number on this. What are the three most important things you're going to tell somebody so they can go from this big idea to something actionable that they can make a habit to improve their financial order?
1: Uh, the first thing I would ask them is how much high interest debt do they have, specifically credit cards, and if so, to make a, a concrete plan to get that under control first. Um, think of it this way: the average credit card interest rate in America is about 19% right now. And even if going you're, a, yeah, and even if you're a great investor, can you know achieve 15% annualized returns? You're still setting yourself up to lose lose money if you have a lot of credit card debt. Right. So I would say make a bit, make a plan to prioritize that. Um, number two uh, prioritize retirement savings and that's in many cases the easiest to automate i mentioned you can just go to your hr department and ask them to increase your contribution limit or contribution rate you can set up an automatic transfer to an ira um, and number th- these are kind of in order of priority number three is to figure out ways to save some more money and again use concrete plans to do this I'm going to eat out for one fewer meal a week. I'm going to look at my bank accounts and cancel subscriptions I'm not using. Make concrete steps to achieve that goal. And everything you end up saving, set up an automatic transfer to save that into an account. If I cancel $50 of monthly subscriptions, set up a $50 monthly deposit into an account. So just to kind of recap those, number one, get your debts under control. Number 2, make sure your retirement is prioritized, and number 3, figure out ways to save more money. But whichever one of those you need to do, have a concrete plan on how you're going to do it.
0: Matt, I appreciate that. I do. One 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 thing that I've learned from me that that's that's helpful, particularly when it comes to that that kind of that saving more money part of it. And let's be honest, I think that kind of feeds so many other parts of our of our financial world because if you're saving more money then you can accelerate paying off the debt or you can increase your savings rate you can increase your retirement savings rate you can increase your investing rate when you start cutting that spend that spending but one of the things i'm curious your thoughts on this and then i'll give you kind of the last word we can wrap it up i found if i kind of go through and look at my my kind of look at the ledger right think about the 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 operating statement of my life earnings family earnings versus cash out family spend and I look at that I see a ton of discretionary spending right whether it's opening up the Amazon app because I'm sitting in the doctor's office waiting for an appointment I spend 30 bucks on something I don't need because I was bored or that that thing on the end cap in the grocery store I grab or that every we're 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 all running late it's been a busy day Instead of throwing a pizza in the oven, we order takeout, right? Things like that that are totally discretionary. I think everybody can see those things. One of the, my point is that one of the things that I found for me that was really helpful is just saving first. You know, As soon as the income comes in, immediately whatever that amount of savings is has to go out so that I have to cut that discretionary spending.
1: Yeah, that's definitely the, the pay yourself first concept is definitely a, a great idea. Um, I, I use it myself. I actually just did that today because you know, I just got paid uh, today. So I, I use that concept myself and transferred some money into my in investment account before I did anything else. And I consider my non-retirement investing accounts to be a form of savings. Um, I know a lot of people have differing opinions on that, but I, I view that as a form of savings. So I, I definitely do that first every time I get paid. Um, and I already have an emergency fund, so that's why investing is my priority. Um, no, but I, I definitely love that the, the pay yourself first strategy. It, it kind of goes with along with the the automation of it. Um, if you, if you set up an automated transfer, you don't even have a choice. You have to pay yourself first.
0: That's fantastic, Matt. I appreciate that. So to summarize, prioritize. So so basically, you're talking about a triage approach. The most urgent thing would be the highest interest debt you have. And then the next thing is the urgency of retirement savings, particularly from your employer's account, because there's probably free money there that you don't want to leave on the table. And then the next tier is looking at your financial goals in terms of increasing savings or other things. Once you've gone through that process, then you build a plan, make it as automated as you can and the rest takes care of itself when we all retire rich on our own islands, right?
1: Yes, and don't forget to prioritize your health, like I'm doing this year, because all of the all the other things I don't mean that much if you don't have your health. So, I'm, 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 it took me till forty to realize that, but here I am.
0: So, what is what is one thing you're doing this year that you're going to make a habit? You asked me to hold you accountable. What is one thing you're doing? that you're going to to make it a habit to show physical improvement in your health?
1: Ooh, that's a good question uh, because I work out a lot. I, I, I have worked out a lot. That that's not my problem. I worked out three or four days a week for the past five or six years. My problem is that I like to eat. So the biggest changes I'm making, um, I'm eating absolutely nothing with any added sugar in it. Um, and I am, you know, obviously avoiding fried foods and things like that, but no no added sugar and no bread. Period. There you go. There you go. That's, that's a challenge,
0: but you've made it simple and you've made it specific.
1: Yep.
0: Very good. Very good. <laughs> Matt Frankel, I'm going to give you the last word here before we wrap up the show.
1: Uh, well, I, my last word would be Happy New Year to everybody. And I can't wait to revisit this at the end of 2023 to see how, not just mine, but how all of our goals have, have transpired. And I want to hear if anyone heard this and made any specific adjustments to their goals. I'd love to hear about them.
0: Love it. Love it. Matt, I really appreciate you coming on. Tell the people listening how they can find you.
1: Uh, I'm on YouTube at Matt Frankel CFP and same as my Twitter handle uh, at Matt Frankel CFP.
0: Fantastic. Matt, thank you again so much for coming on. We'll have you back on soon. Thanks for having me. Okay, friends. As always, we love to answer the hard questions about investing. We're giving our answers. Sometimes we have great people like Matt that come on that they give their answers to. But friends, you got to find your own answers. I believe in you. Jeff's off this week, but he also believes in you. He texted me during the recording specifically to tell me to tell (laughs) you he believes in you alright everybody have a great week we'll see you next time